0: Listening to 90% Mental, Conversations with Grant Parr, episode 188. Today, mental performance coach Grant Parr sits down with former collegiate basketball coach and leadership expert David Cooks to talk about his ability to overcome obstacle in the face of adversity and the mindset to look for opportunities at every level. David shares how he learned to switch his perspective and embrace his reality as a paraplegic to face life head on and developing mental toughness to continue to inspire people all over the world. If you want to know more about overcoming obstacles and the ability to endure, then this is a must-listen episode. Are you ready to raise your game? 2021 is the year to increase your performance on and off the field. The Athletes Edge Journal was designed to cultivate self-confidence and mental resilience through the power of sports psychology. Whether you are a professional athlete, a former college athlete, or have aspirations of greatness in the future, this journal is for you. Visit winthementalgame.com and use the promo code GRANTPAR20 to receive a 20% discount at checkout. Act now to take your mental game to the next level. What if you could rapidly accelerate your team's performance and skill acquisition just minutes before a practice or game? Neurotrainer triggers high-performance states with virtual reality brain training that can be deployed in the gym or at home. In just eight minutes, your team will be more focused and ready for whatever you or the game throws at them. Visit Neurotrainer.com to schedule your demo and get your team locked in. Hey, David, how are you?
1: Grant, I mean, I'm excited to be here. I'm doing well and, and looking forward to a great conversation
0: with you. Oh, man, I, I know this is going to be a great conversation. I just know uh, before we got on recording today, our just our energy is connected. And um, in your story, your story about adversity, uh, you know, where there's a crisis, there's an opportunity. You're going to share that with my listeners today. And also you're going to share the uh, your journey from your book you know, getting undressed from um, paralysis to purpose. So I can't wait to share your story, your book, just your energy. Hey, let's go. Let's go. (laughs) All right. All right. So before we get into your your story, I love talking about mental toughness, being mentally tough. And I know you've had to learn how to be mentally tough. You've had to teach it. So when you think about being mentally tough, what does that mean to you?
1: You know, I, I think it's the ability to, Uh, switch your perspective and to look at um, what is differently. If all you see is what you see, I I don't think you're really seeing anything and that doesn't allow for you to overcome because you're not seeing the right thing. So mental toughness um, takes you through the nose to find the yes. And to, to to look for that and know that that's a beginning and not an ending um, with what you do. And so, Uh, mental toughness. I it's like for me as a basketball coach or a former coach, as long as there's time on the clock, I can affect the game. And to me, that is the foundation of mental
0: toughness. It's the opportunity, right? Looking at it as an opportunity, as a gift. Yeah.
1: Because there is an opportunity in every situation. I mean, and you, and look, You may have to search for it. Let's just put that out there. I'm not saying it's an easy thing. That's why the word toughness goes with that. You know, with toughness, there's a lot of grit and a lot of it could be some crying and some pain. But that develops calluses. You know, when when I play wheelchair basketball, one of the things I learned early was I had to toughen up my hands Mm -hmm. uh, because they kept getting ripped up from uh, the the wheels on the wheelchair. And over time, they develop a toughness, which allowed for me to compete
0: effectively. Yeah, it's and in, in that toughness turns into grit, right? Yes. And, and that grit turns into resiliency, and you know doesn't have to go in that order, but right. right? And when right. you think about, because I'm a Bills fan, and I'm still a little bit raw on this uh, this past weekend. Well,
1: I'm a uh, Packers fan, so oh, I don't know who's the, who's the who's the illest or the rawest or the hurtest right now. <laughs> right. <laughs> Let's talk about something else.
0: <laughs> right. Exactly. Well, when you talk about Mahomes, I've been looking at 30, with 13 seconds left. There's there is.
1: There's an opportunity. How about that? Like, seriously, I, I, that right there was one of the most remarkable things I've ever seen, because in my mind, I have to be honest with you, the game is over. There's 13 seconds. And I've coached and said, as long as there's time on Time on the clock, you can affect the game. But I'm looking at that and I could not see the possibility, but they did it.
0: They did it. And, you know, on the other side of the ball, when they did lose, when the Bills lost, the question was, Hey um, Josh, what do you think about the the overtime rules? And he goes, "I'm good with it. If we had the ball, we would be celebrating too. Like that Absolutely. confidence, you know. Not, and it didn't matter how chaotic that overtime was. He just knew, and so did Mahomes. He knew as well.
1: Yes, yes. You can't you can't stop believing. I tell you that the power. <laughs> I talk about the, the the one of the greatest gifts I think given to a human is the ability to believe. Because that changes your perspective and that changes your performance. And, and you go into it based on your belief on what your outcome potentially could be. Exactly.
0: And I think, too, when you think about um, belief or believing, and we hear this a lot about, you know, I know this, you being a coach for how many years that you were, years. You know, when you're talking about culture, you you know, you want people to buy in. Right. But before you buy anything, you have to believe in it first. So you have to, in that own personal belief system that you have too. So when you, I agree with you, like believing is huge, right? The awareness of, of the belief itself is huge. So, and I know we're going to be probably talking more about that throughout the show. (laughs) Yeah. That belief
1: aspect is, it starts with, everything starts with what you believe. And it shapes everything else, because if, if you you won't buy what you don't believe, I don't care how much yeah. I sell you that is going to be to your benefit and all that kind of stuff. If you don't believe it,
0: yeah. there's yeah. no there is no buy in. Exactly. Exactly. You know, and we're, we're going to talk about in a second here. And I know I've been saying this about your story and your book, but I want, to, I want to set the stage here, because, again, where there's a crisis, there's an opportunity. You turned a crisis into a humongous opportunity throughout your life based off your belief, believing in yourself. Mm -hmm. But what you have done in the last three decades, four decades plus is being in service, being in service from your wheelchair. So what does, what does that mean to you being in service?
1: Well, I, I don't think that, well, let me, let me say it this way. I believe that serving others is the basis of your purpose. And purpose without service is not purpose. I don't know what that is. It's probably an activity. Um, I've always felt that the journeys that we are all on, whatever that might be, are not meant just for us, that there, is, there are people literally assigned to the benefit of your journey. And to find those people and serve them, it makes a big difference. I I believe that if you just take a moment and take a vacation from your problems, to help somebody else with theirs, it creates a different narrative for you mentally and otherwise about what you, what it is that you're dealing with and, um, serving others is, is the end result of understanding your purpose. And, um, because your purpose is greater than you, it's bigger than you. And when you can serve someone else, um, with no strings attached, right. Not looking for them to give anything back to you, but to serve them because they have a need that you can meet you know, I get satisfaction
0: from a lot of things, but there's nothing really like that at all. Exactly. I, I talk about it all the time about, you know, the roles that we play as humans or so many different roles that we jump in and out of, but the, I don't care if you're a CEO, if you're a, a quarterback, it doesn't, when you are in service, that that is the most rewarding role ever. Yeah. And, and, and I know it, should it, it shouldn't matter if you're feeling great or feeling funky but when you are feeling funky and you're feeling low, get into service. You, you'll, you'll switch your frequency pr- pretty quick. Absolutely. Um, but it's hard to train yourself when you're so self-focused and so caught up in your in your stuff.
1: Yeah, you're right. I, I think there's even scientific proof that when you begin to serve others and help other people, it does things for your blood, um, your blood pressure and and all these types of things that physically become better as you serve someone else. And again, that's not why you're doing it, but if if, if you can get to, if you can get two stones or whatever it is, two yeah. birds or one stone, uh, you might as well do that. Why not? Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So let's, let's get into it. Let's get into your story. Um, and take my listeners back to, to when you were 15 years old, uh, you're living your basketball dream. You're playing basketball. Um, and share your experience when you had that, that spinal aneurysm.
1: Yeah, it was October 19th of 1979. For those who see me now, I don't look that old, just, just so you know that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was I one of my goals as a kid was just to play for my high school and to play basketball at my high school. And it was a Friday morning. I didn't make the team. My freshman year of high school. And uh, I was very disappointed about that. But I spent that next summer busting my butt and trying to get myself in position uh, to be ready to go. And I woke up on a Friday morning with some back pain. And I went to school that day, took some exams, played a little basketball. I wasn't quite myself. And uh, within uh, 24 hours, you know, I was in an emergency room um, having exploratory surgery because the doctor said that I had a blood vessel that had erupted on my spinal cord. So, uh, in a matter of you know, 24 to 36 hours. Uh, I went from being known as Gus Williams to Dave Cooks is in a wheelchair now. And, uh, that was, um, quite a, quite an event for me, but even more so, I think for my family, I think one of the things that is underestimated, uh, in these things that happen, that it's not just the person who's impacted. Um, It's his or her family and friends and community that also have to deal with with how do we now move forward and in my case, uh, make the best of this so I can be a successful um, uh, person.
0: Something like that can really affect somebody's belief systems and and inner dialogue um, can really get sucked into being the victim. Right. Why me? Yeah. Like I I, I went through some stuff the year before I trained my butt off. Uh, Here I am, I'm, I'm playing basketball and, and you know, this, this blood vessel pops and and destroys my life. Did you ever experience the victim mindset? And if you did, how how long did you stay in it and, and how did you get out of that?
1: You know, it's interesting. I, I, um, I think part of the benefit of being young at age 15 is that, um, I had not grown callous to the world or knew about how things actually happen. I was pretty optimistic. I was 15 years old. I was liking girls. I had to get back to school. That's the only thing that was on my mind at the time. That that being said, um, I, I did have a question. I, I always wanted to know um, if knowing why would change my circumstances, then I needed to know why. Um, but I also on the other side of that request was, Um, If you're not going to remove the circumstances, then change me while I'm in the circumstance so I can know how to manage this and move forward. What really changed is interesting. The aneurysm was life changing. But meeting a guy named Tony Otters in rehab, who was a quadriplegic, and I didn't know what that was. I had never seen people in wheelchairs, but I go to rehab and my roommate had had suffered a broken neck. And he was so positive and his outlook was so great. And he was like the most upbeat guy I'd ever seen. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. So we're, we're doing some physical therapy together. And I, it dawned on me that he would love to be able to do a portion of the things that I still could do. And it was that moment, my perspective shifted. My mentality shifted about my situation. And I actually began to understand that I didn't have it as bad as I thought I did. And Mm. the reason was because of what I now saw. And it also put me on the road to service because I I began to actually work hard in physical therapy for Tony, not for me. Mm. He motivated me and I began to work hard for him because of what he couldn't do. And that really, I think, allowed for me that that perspective shift, which happened within two days. Uh, or a week or so of, of, of the aneurysm that that's what changed my life. The aneurysm was life changing, but Tony Otters, he, he changed my
0: life. And there was a, it's a, in a way that you, you were serving him, right? Like Even though that you were trying to get back, you know, getting, getting your stuff going, but you, you quickly shifted that energy and that focus to service. Yes.
1: And I didn't know at the time, that's what it was. Yeah. You know, as you get older and you reflect and you start to think about things, um, I was I was doing what I was doing for him, not for me. It was no longer about my rehab; it was about my energy and vibration for him. It made man, and I'm telling you right now, changed my life.
0: And when you think about that moment, um, you know, going back to being mentally tough, was that the most? Mentally tough, you had to be in your life, or was there other things <clears throat> after that where?
1: Yeah, well, I think I think becoming paralyzed is the ultimate mental challenge because every aspect of your life has now has got to be start, jump started or or started over. Um, you don't go to the bathroom the same way. Are you able to have kids? All of these things you have to deal with these questions that are going in your mind as you're trying to figure out what this new life is. All you know is that all the relationships you had are now changed. You don't know what that means. You don't know how that's going to work out. And so you're dealing with this. That inter- That's the internal conversation that you're having is what does this new life look like? And more importantly, for me, it was who am I going to become now? Yeah. What 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 am I going to create in this new space? The one thing I, I knew this, Grant, I'm telling you, I knew this. I knew that my legs were paralyzed, but my passion and drive and purpose, I knew they weren't. I knew I still had to fulfill that and figure out how to do that now in a different way. And that's the mental challenge. Getting undressed, um, you talked about the title of my book. We all get undressed all the time. We do it and it represents change and growth and that type of stuff. But for me, it was about regaining some independence because I had to learn how to get undressed and get redressed and undressed in order to go home. Mm -hmm. I failed at that a few times before I finally got it. I failed at a number of those things in rehab before I finally got it. That was the mental battle. That, you know, all right, I got to do this. I have to do this so I can go home. I have to get this so I can move on. And there was no moving past that. And you failed until you got it. And with each failure, I was failing less, believe it or not. I was getting it better each time,
0: but it still wasn't a success. But eventually, eventually I got it. Right. Well, it's, it's, it's about reps. You want to get good at something, you got to do a little bit each day for a long time. That's right. Right. That's right. Yes. yes. <clears throat> well, you know what's really interesting is in uh, a couple of years ago, I had um, a gentleman on my show named uh, Robert Payler. I don't know if you're familiar with him, but he was um, a rugby player for UC Berkeley. Uh, you know, the program was it's the number one rugby rugby program in the country. They won like I don't know thirty national championships and. And he was a part of a couple of them and he ended up getting paralyzed in a game and it was neck down, but it was really, it was, uh, he almost lost his life. It was, it was really bad. And you know, he was never going, like they said, like he has a hard time eating. He had to be fed through a, you know, two for the rest of his life. And so he, um, he said that when it all happened when he was in the, you know, in his, you know, the hospital room by himself, he realized he's like, Yes, I'm gonna lose almost everything physically, but nothing changes mentally and emotionally, even though emotionally there's he's gotta deal with some stuff. But he said, My discipline, right? My my um my my competitive spirit, like he just kept on my love for things that doesn't change. Oh. And um within two years, he he now he can walk. Well, it's been a lot longer now, but I think within two years he can walk assisted with right? nice. uh yeah. And uh, and it's it's amazing his spirit like it didn't it didn't break him he would just bend with it
1: right wow yeah and and you know what's interesting and I know I I was excited when you said that because um, that type of progress wasn't available back when I had my spinal aneurysm mm-hmm. and and to be able to see uh, people recover to a degree of having some of that independence I, I you know I think that is just
0: outstanding. You know, and hey, I'll be next to mine. Heck heck yeah. Well, and it just brings up too, um, he's a good friend of mine. He's a former teammate of mine. Uh, His name is Roman Reed. I don't know if you're familiar with him, but Roman Reed has a um, research program called the Roman Reed Spinal Cord Injury Research Program. And he's on the forefront of stem cell. He got got paralyzed in a junior college game the year after I left uh, my junior college. He had, and he's been in a wheelchair ever since, but his program has helped a lot of athletes and people, um, walk again from stem cell. So with that being said, like, have, is that, is that an option or could that help? Oh, you know what?
1: I I think it it, is obviously it's working. Um, It's not at the at the degree where I think it's for the general population yet. Right. But, um, you know, I think that I'm a big believer. uh, I I believe in God and I believe God is science. And so I believe that he can heal supernaturally through science. However, whatever mechanism he so chooses to use, Cooks is open to that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not one of those that says it's got to be this way only. No, you know what? If whatever will cause, you know, this year when we started 2022, I, I, I wanted this year to be surrounded with only things that prosper me. And whether that's relationships, whether that's belief systems or whatever, if it's not moving me forward, In this day and age, I I just can't get with it. And I don't know. I can't tell you exactly how to how it's going to move me forward, but I'm open to it as long as it does. And so uh, so that's so, yes, stem cells, all that. I'll I'll look at it.
0: Yeah. And that's and that's also to another angle to look at in life, which is being abundant, being open. And I think that's something that I've learned later in life. I mean, I could understand I didn't even understand that word, tell you the truth, until I had to go through my hardships and realize the power of being abundant. Um, yes. but you can't, you can't be abundant if, if you're not aware, Got it. So you have to tap into the awareness so you can be open to things. And sometimes that's a little scary, you know?
1: Yeah. What I mean, tapping into the unknown is always scary. Always. You know, and, and you're going to either take fear or faith with you or both of them yeah. <laughs> when, right. when you go, when you go into that. And so, um, I think that the one thing I will say I've learned on this journey for me is I've gotten comfortable being uncomfortable and learning in uncomfortable spaces yeah. um, and growing in those spaces. And so now I can I'm like, oh, man, I'm uncomfortable. Oh, must be a learning opportunity. There's something yeah. for me. And and I've learned to, to, to embrace those as well. That, so the unknown is the unknown becomes known. And I exactly. love that.
0: For and sure. 100 percent. Well, when you talk about being uncomfortable, like with you, what with what you went through obviously that, that affects the, the inner dialogue. Right. And I I've seen it it happen to me. Um, I got caught in a negative loop for years, almost two decades and I didn't know how to break it. And so, and you and I were talking about this before we were recording today about negative self-talk is kind of this silent epidemic because everybody has it and we're actually programmed to have negative self-talk. And we go to it faster, and easier than positive self-talk. So when you think about what you went through, how did you manage your thoughts? How did you actually learn how to reframe them and just not, not, it's really hard to to shut them out, but to move away from them into a more optimistic mindset?
1: Um, It was very simple for me. Um, I began to celebrate the small wins. Little, a little win here. And you got to understand when you go from walking to not walking, you have so many things that you got to deal with, so many. And if I would have tried to eat the entire cake at one time, I would have had a problem. So I began to dissect it a little bit at a time. And I would, I would give myself self goals for that day. And I would try to accomplish those goals and I would celebrate those goals. Mm. For me, when I found myself having success, Brought more success, and it built my confidence. And when my confidence got strong, my mindset began to shift into this thing about I can win this, and I can win it all because I've won these little things along the way. Where there are losses in there, absolutely, because no one has a no one has an undefeated undefeated life. But what do you do with those losses, and how can you make them into wins? That's really what what I ended up doing. Um, I never. I, I I think my parents wired me and wired all of them, me and my siblings to not doubt ourselves. I mean, they mm-hmm. always talked about, um, we don't care what you do, just be the best at it and we'll support you. We don't care what, just, you know, get out of our pocket, of course, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> right. And do the best you can. And we believe in you. And I think I heard that over and over and over so much. And again, I was 15. So, you know, I was still in my formative years, but I had been deposited, had, but things had been deposited in me that all of a sudden began to grow in that adversity. It's amazing how during those crises, those things that were in the background, in the back of your mind, come to the forefront. And you don't even know, don't remember how you got there, but it was planted in there, And so that really, I think, helped me a lot. Um, I literally I, I still live one day at a time. I, I, I can't. I don't look beyond today. I don't look beyond this moment, to be honest with you. And I and I try to live in the moment, maximize that moment. That helps me mentally to stay focused as well. I think sometimes if you're not disciplined in your thought process, um, it can take you places where you don't need to go. And I've learned that the greatest the greatest instrument on my head is my ears. Hmm. And so whatever, because whatever I hear becomes what I believe. Because I because I can see stuff and discard it, but if I keep listening to it, it changes my mindset. So I'm pretty I'm pretty um, particular about that as well. Though
0: I want to get deep on you right now, but I'm going to get deep, Uh, (laughs) and I do want to talk a little bit more about your book. But you know, when you think about your wheelchair. And, you know, you coach, um, you know, you coach under coach K, um, your championship coach in high school for years, and you've done great stuff, um, in the educational sector and also with, with com- companies as well. But when you're working with athletes or performers and they're going through their baggage, does your wheelchair, can, do you use it as a symbolic tool? Like to, as, cause your energy is off the charts. Your optimism is incredible. So when you're listening to people that can walk and run and do all these things, just being in service, like showing like what your greatness is from your wheelchair. Do you you feel that your wheelchair is becomes a symbolic tool to let them realize, you know what, like my shit ain't that that crazy right now (laughs) because this dude is in a wheelchair and he's got way more optimism than I do. Let me tell
1: you a quick story about that. There's yeah. a young man who he's, he's a father now of two and uh, a kid named Shea McNamara who played for me in high school. And he tells me this story. I don't remember it at all. Mm-hmm. And um, I guess they we, we had them doing some running or something. And, uh, you know, they were complaining about, you know, high school kids, you know, blah, 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 blah. And I guess I stopped and said, well, you want to do, you want to be in a wheelchair? Or you want to run? Which one do you want to do? And he said that forever changed his life. I don't remember saying that. I'm sure I did. Because, wow. you know, coaches in the moment, we say things. And 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 I guess um, I am not that forward with it now. But what I've learned, Grant, is that people see me and forget about the wheelchair until they're reminded about it. I've been graced to make this thing look easy um, and to be positive. Um, but there are days I don't feel like doing this. And I make that very clear, whether I'm giving a corporate speaker or speech or doing life coaching or whatever. So it's a reality. I don't say that it's it's, it's not real. It just doesn't have the right to rule my life like that. And so people see that. And I believe that sometimes I forget. I don't ever forget I'm in a wheelchair, but I forget that it's important for other people to recognize that I'm in it. You know you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> and so uh, but it does have an impact because um, it's not necessarily the wheelchair that's important. It's the journey that people then relate back to the wheelchair and say, oh, my God, that's crazy. You were able to accomplish this and that and do that. And and you've got this impediment with you all yeah. the time. Yeah. That's when it becomes a tool that gives people perspective. And hopefully then it causes them to look at their circumstances differently than they did before in a positive, in a positive manner. I hope.
0: Yeah. hundred percent. Well, and you talked about those bad days. Just um, you know, we all have them. Um, and I'm going to bring up Robert Paylor again. Cause I remember when I asked him, I'm like, how, you know, especially with rehab, I'm like, how did, how did you, how do you deal with the bad days? And it was the man. this thing changed my life. The way I look at, bad days. Cause we don't have bad days. And he even said this, he goes, if you think about it, Graham, we don't have bad days. We have bad moments, but we, we choose if we wanted to actually color the rest of our day. So it's not about having a bad day. It's just a bad moment. Yeah. And, yeah. and I'm like, wow. And when we talk about being great, like greatness, greatness happens in the moment. It doesn't happen in the future or in the past. So if you can actually have that awareness and that reframe that in this moment, it does suck and it's funky yeah. but it's not going to color it. Just this moment. Yep. It's just that, this moment. Yeah.
1: And you can, you know what you can deal with moments a lot better than you can deal with an entire uh, journey. You right. know, just right. That moment you can, if you can master the moment, you hear it all the time and, and it's become, it's become cliche, but it's true. If you will just make sure that whatever that little moment is right there, that you are on top of it, regardless of the outcome, regardless, of, because sometimes you can do all the right things and, be, and it just not work out in your favor. But if you're if you're OK with your effort and you're OK with your mindset, then you know what? Once you've done all you can, you can't do any more than what you can do. Exactly. And then you have to move on.
0: Totally. It's like baseball. You can go on for four, zero for four. do everything right. The only thing you can do control is make contact. You can't you can throw know over the balls and go after that. You can kind of influence it with your swing, but but you can do everything right and still go 0 for four. Yeah. But you did and, everything right. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
1: And there, and there is the, you know, there is a certain amount of um confidence, benefit, whatever the right word is, when you know you did everything right. I mean, how what, a, what could you imagine living like that? Just knowing that you did everything right. Right. You did everything you could. You did everything you could. And that's man,
0: that's a great way to live right there. <laughs> right. Exactly. Being present. I, I love it. So let's get in your book and, and we'll get into your experience with because I'm I'm a little um, curious with because I think Coach K is just a remarkable period. Um, but there's so much more than that to your story. Uh, but like, let's talk about your book. What I can kind of get the feel of why you wrote this but from your own words, your own perspective, like what was your goal writing this? What was the motivation?
1: I, I really wanted to, it, it it was time for me to share this story, um, with the world to try to impact some people's lives. I, I hadn't talked about it for years. Um, even when I was at the high school and, uh, there were people there who had no idea what happened to me and everything. And, and because I didn't talk about it because I didn't feel it was that important, but then as I began to think about things, I said, you know what? There, there are parts of your journey that can change somebody's life. And I I wrote the book to hopefully encourage one person uh, that they could make it, that they, they could overcome and that they, they could create opportunity from, from obstacles. And that's really why I wrote the book. I wasn't, I wasn't looking to write a book. I was looking to speak full time. That's what I look to do when I stopped teaching um and coaching. The book was not the first thing I wanted to do. And um when I found myself on the road of purpose but out of order on that road, I sat down and and wrote that book. And on the other side of that book, man, that sense of satisfaction was crazy. I was like I have a book. <laughs>
0: right. Like I'm I an got author. A That's kind of weird. I'm an
1: author. But it's cool. So so yeah it really was. Um and 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 I remember Right after I wrote the book, I uh, I had gotten some email. I got an email from this one lady, and um, who had for thirty five years tried to stop smoking. And she said after she read the book, she that was it. No more smoking for her. And I was like, what? And wow. so I met with her because I wanted to see if this was real. Yeah. And I met with her for breakfast one day. And sure, she was like, look, after I read this, I I there was I had no excuse, and I stopped after thirty five years of two packs a day. I didn't have to, in, in my mind,
0: I didn't need to sell another book. That's how wow. powerful that thing was for me. Isn't, isn't that crazy? That's amazing. <laughs> that's crazy. It's amazing. I, I love it. Um, it's that's the, the power of sharing our stories, not keeping it to ourselves. You know, yeah. I believe it's, it's the most powerful
1: thing we have Yeah, is, is our story. And what, and you know, for people that are listening and, and your story is significant. It doesn't have to be, somebody else's story because it's yours and because it's yours, it's significant. And I think that people um, underestimate, you know, and and you've been in crowds where you speak and stuff and I'm looking at room. I'm like, there's probably a thousand stories in here, you know, that that haven't been told that need to be told. The person next to you probably has something they've been through that can help you, you know? And so it's, and that goes back to that whole thing about service, you know, and I, this
0: book is meant to serve other people. And to help them with whatever they're dealing with. Yeah. And it was crazy. It just, this came up in my mind is, um, again, years ago, I had Valerie Kondos on my show, uh, who is by far the best uh, Division one collegiate uh, gymnastics coach of all time. She's got unreal records, unreal. Um, and she's just a beautiful human being. But she when she talks about bringing in freshmen, her first conversation is about, how unique you are. There's like, you are so special. And she like emphasized that there's only one you on this earth. There's nobody like you. And with that being said, because you're so unique and nobody's like you, your story is so unique. Right. Yeah.
1: And only you can tell it the way you yeah. can, tell it, you know,
0: <laughs> right. Exactly. Man. Um, so when you think about all the adversities that you went through, Right, like what people don't know is that, like you know, you, you played basketball. You had a dream to play basketball. Well, that was t- taken away from you, but you kept on staying with the sport. You coached. You went back to school, to teach your MBA, but you didn't get into Stanford. So, yeah. but you, but yeah. you kept on going.
1: Yeah, we don't have to talk about that. Not getting into Stanford, you know, that's like a Green Bay Packer thing too. Let's not talk. Okay. About <laughs>
0: <that>. <laughs> well, and it's and it's funny because we we can either let those things. Uh, control us and say I'm not good enough, whatever. But you kept on moving forward and you got your MBA, right? You you know you coach for Coach K for Duke, right? Yeah. And then you then but you just impacted student athletes after that that and also workplace professionals, which I call corporate athletes. So I mean you you and you didn't let this stop you, and that's to me that's remarkable. And so I don't know. I mean I know your whole story is about just persevering.
1: Yeah. And and you know what? It's also about being open to change, mm-hmm. and finding a different way to still be passionate about the things you're passionate about. Just because I could no longer dunk the ball didn't mean I couldn't have an impact with the ball. Um, and I had to really be open to that. And I'm grateful for mentors that I had in my life along the way who were like, you know what, Cooks, um, you need to scratch that itch uh, because you talk about basketball like it's your girlfriend. And, <laughs> and you need to lose with that. Yeah. And, and thankfully, um, I was introduced to wheelchair basketball in college and, and you know, had got involved in some coaching prior to that. And, and um, you know, it. I didn't know that that little orange thing with nine pounds of, of, of air in it would, would take me into other parts of the world and that kind of stuff. So you never know where you're going to end up, but you won't end up anywhere if you don't start moving. I can tell you that. Yeah. And, um, I ended up at Duke, as you said, and to get my MBA. And, um, what did I have to lose? I didn't know coach K or anybody, Tommy Amaker, Mike Bray, none of those guys. I didn't know them. And so why not go and see if I can help out? Why not be a part of it while I'm getting my MBA? They can say, no, I'm still getting, I'm still getting my MBA and I'm still going to the ball games to watch. Right. (laughs) So, um, you throw it out there. And I did believe that I had something to give and something to contribute. Um, and that's what drove me to continue my attempts to meet with coach. It took me four times before I finally met him. And wow. then, um, you know, the rest is history. And, and it kind of changed the trajectory of my uh, basketball career and, and, and notoriety. And it's interesting. Uh, I was speaking to someone the other day and um, I can tell I've been at this a while because a lot of the new guard, I don't know anymore. You know, um, all those guys with coach K and all those guys in that generation were part of who I, you know, grew up under, so to speak. And, um, which is great. I mean, I wouldn't, I
0: wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. Wow. Real quick here before we sign up and I have another question or two, but, uh, what, what was maybe the most special moment, um, that you experienced with coach K or maybe the thing that you learned the most from him? I think there's two things. One, the thing that I
1: learned the most um, was the importance uh, of having the skill of connecting to people and what that means. I think we underestimate connectivity um, and the gift that that is, because that's not something you can go to school and learn. Um, I thought what separate and I still believe what separates him from uh, some of the other other guys who are great coaches um, is his ability to to know. Um, what button it is to push for each of his players. He takes the time to develop that kind of relationship so that he doesn't have a blanket coaching. He has a personal coaching. That was amazing to me. And I understood as I watched over time, while with the Olympics and everything else, why all these great players love to play for him Um, because he took an interest in them personally not just in what they could do on the court, but off the court. Um, And I I think for me on a personal level um, was when I got my degree and we were leaving and we had a a end of the year banquet and I didn't think he was going to mention me at all. (laughs) And and he talked about me, about being a part time coach, part time psychiatrist, part time tutor uh, and and how I went from filling up water bottles to actually uh, being involved with. Uh, every aspect of the program and and that was that was very special to me because i didn't know that he was paying attention like that initially and then um you know he created it, that those initial things created other, other opportunities for me and that wow. was um that was special yeah i mean there are a lot of other, other things but that that comes oh, to I, that.
0: I bet well the great ones pay attention
1: yeah right? and yeah.
0: they do and they do really creative special things and I know, again, this is not about my book, but there is a, when we're talking about Coach K, there is a story that I bring up about Shane Battier when when he, you know, calls him up out of nowhere after he lost, uh, you know, um, I forget the the two or three players that were very, you know, predominant in the program that took him to the, the championship, but they left to go to the NBA and he calls him up and says, you know, are you familiar with the story at all? Yeah, 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 oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. And um, so calls him up, and you know, and and pretty much is really quick. Like, have you thought about being the best player in Division One basketball? And then Shane starts to like, well, you know, and just hangs up on him. And then calls him back again, asks him the question, he hangs up three or four times in a row, and gets him to to really think about it. Mm-hmm. What's it going to take for me to be the best? Because I need you to be the best player in Division One basketball, and that's creative.
1: Well, you know, and, and leaders are visionaries and they can see what you can't see, uh, sometimes and same thing at coaches, leaders, put them, I put them all in the same category, the good ones anyway. Um, and I think that we all need a coach in our life at some yeah. point because we have blind spots that we can't see and, and they're able to really, you know, find those things for us. And he, he stuck with that. You know, yeah. uh, he, he could have just went to somebody
0: else and said, ah, he's not listening. I don't know, but he kept calling back. Yeah, kept on calling back. Oh, that's awesome. Well, real quick here before I love talking. Uh, I like asking the question about reflection, because I think that's where we, um, that's where we gain our wisdom when we reflect. Uh, when you think about your whole career as a coach, educator, uh, keynote speaker, author now, uh, what do you think you learned the most about yourself?
1: Um. That, um, I have been blessed, gifted to make a difference in people's lives that I don't know why or how, uh, Mm -hmm. but it's what I have to give and I'm grateful that I have it and I'm going to give it, uh, until I can give it no more.
0: Well, Dave, or I can call you cooks now. Thank you so much. Like I really, this was an honor to share your story, your energy, um, obviously a, we could spend another hour or two really getting into the nuts and bolts of your book and your in your journey, but I'm gonna leave that for the, the listeners to to follow you and also to get your book so they can learn more about your journey. And with that being said, uh how can my my listeners buy your book and learn more about you? Uh, There's a number of ways you can uh, go to my website, which is
1: DavidCookSpeaks.com. If you'd like an autographed copy, I'll do that for you. Otherwise, you can go to Amazon and I think Barnes & Noble has the book as well. So that's where you can get the book. And you can also just follow me um, on social media at DCE Speaks is most of most of my things. And uh, also for my podcast. Awesome. (laughs)